Tabiso, Didi, thank you so much. It's so great to be with you in Cosmo City. Um, it's amazing, 17 years ago when I met Tabiso, I saw this small man walking into my house. I'm thinking, I think we'll have enough food at least. But you know what is amazing? In that conversation he spoke about 17 years ago, we discovered that we, our lives were being tormented by the same demonic spirit called apartheid. And it's when we met Jesus that we realized, oh my goodness. And so he told you his story. My story is I come from a farm close to AWB headquarters. The opposite side of the spectrum. ANC, AWB backgrounds. So we wear khaki. You know the AWBs, they wear khaki. So then I met Jesus. And I'm sitting one day and I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm so grateful for his love and for his mercy. And the Holy Spirit says to me, if you could not choose my love, how can you decide who must be loved? And I thought to myself, wow. My fathers have taught me wrong. They have not taught me about Jesus. They have not taught me about this love that I did not deserve. And how can I be the one that chooses who must get loved by the Lord? And so, uh, Tabiso, I see the 17 years since we've met has treated you more kindly than me. Because I see the white guys when they get older, though we're the same, the, the Bible says we have the same blood. Yeah. The same blood. But I see on the outside we age differently. See, the white guys go gray and they get a little bit of wrinkles in the eyes. The black brothers, they just look the same, they just grow a beard. <laughs> That's all you know that they're aging, isn't it? So it's good to be here tonight to be so. Thank you for trusting me and I let Didi, it's good to be with you tonight. I always ask the Lord, Lord, what are you wanting to say? What are you wanting to do? Because I don't want to be one of those preachers that comes and just preach the same message that keeps you impressed and that tickles your ears. I'm coming tonight to see your lives transformed. I cannot be a preacher that just comes and say, wow, it's amazing to be in Cosmo City. We need, South Africa need the church to be awake. Before I get to the, the scriptures, I want you to write down three, three words if you're taking notes. The first one is righteousness. Do you know that because Jesus came, he died on the cross and he paid for your sin, for my sin, we are right with God. We have righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ as our portion. Because you and I are right with God, we have got access to the heavenlies. You have the life of God. You are made righteous. The second word I want you to write down is the word rest. Righteousness, the first one. Second one, rest. The church needs to learn how to live from a place of rest. How do you get the rest of God? You need the Holy Spirit. To get righteousness, you need to know who Jesus is. To live in rest, you need the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, most of the church gets stuck there, and we keep asking for revival and revival and revival because we want to keep staying in a place of rest. But that's not the full picture of the church yet. The last word I want you to write down is the word rulership. That's where we as believers and as the church and the body of Christ stand up to transform environments, to reform God's original intent on the earth. 
Most churches, most preachers just hammer on righteousness. That's all they preach. Some preachers progress and all they preach about is the rest of God and the, 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 the person of the Holy Spirit and just enjoying the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand that the righteousness and the rest of God is so that we can start to rule on the earth to advance the kingdom of God. The spirit of apartheid needs to be moved off of South Africa, my friends. Before 94, it was a, a white-black apartheid. After 94, guess what? It's still a white-black apartheid. Same demon. It hasn't gone anywhere. It needs the church, it needs the sons and daughters of God to mature in righteousness and rest and start to rule, to say, listen, this is the way that the Lord is proclaiming. We need to deal with these principalities, with these strongholds, and with these authorities. And it happens through us, the church. So I want you to, to, tonight, I want to remind you who is your God. I want to remind you who your God is. And I want to remind you, my sister said it when she opened the meeting, Daniel 11 verse 32. I want to know, just quote it for you real quick. Because I'm trusting that tonight something will be deposited in your life that will get you to know who your God is. Because Daniel 11 verse 32 says this, Those who know their God will prove themselves strong. Those who know their God will stand firm. Those who know their God will do mighty exploits. My friends, we need the Holy Spirit tonight. We need Him to come and help us. We need revelation of who our God is so that we can be the church that knows how to prove themselves strong, that knows how to stand firm. Can I tell you, there's a shaking that's coming our way. Whenever the Lord moves, things shake. It's a season now for us, the church, to be able to stand firm under the Lordship of Jesus so that when things shake... We don't get shaken. We stand firm. It's time for the church to do mighty exploits. Amen? Amen. So I want to go in the Old Testament. And I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Because I believe this week you guys are looking at encountering God. Tabiso tells me that you've had a good week so far. I'm trusting tonight it will even go better. But I want you to, to look with me at a man that had an encounter with God. And because he encountered God in that way, he was able to liberate a nation. Is there anyone here tonight that is keen to see South Africa liberated with the gospel? Okay. The half of the church is excited. The cheap seats. I'm going to help you to change our nation. Are you willing? Then tonight the Holy Spirit will make you able. Let's look at the life of Moses in Exodus chapter 2. Here's a man that has a God encounter. And his encounter is of such a radical nature that he's able to go and liberate a whole nation. We're going to read together from verse 23 in Exodus 2. So you know the story of Moses. You know that he was a prince. He grew up in the palace, he learned all the etiquette, he did all the things that was in the palace, and then he tried to deliver a nation in his own strength. 
by hitting an Egyptian. See, the flesh will always get you in trouble. And because of that, he gets sent into a desert, and for 40 years he gets prepared for the mission by the Lord. Who's 40 years old here tonight? 41. A whole lifetime. It seems like God forgets about him. And then it says this in, in Exodus 2, verse 23. It says, during that long period of 40 years, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help came before uh, and they cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with them, with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. I tell you, that is a humiliating place to be. If you're serving in your father-in-law's business... That's humiliating. Don't know about you. That's humiliating. And it says, And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of this, their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out to the land, into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to the Lord, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your, fa of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? And what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so Holy Spirit, this evening I need your help. South Africa is in a desperate place. 
As people are crying out to you, you are seeing our misery. And the same God that answered Moses is the same God that will answer us tonight. Therefore, I ask you, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me so that I can preach your word with conviction, with courage, and with clarity. I pray for the hearers tonight, Lord. I pray that their hearts would burn inside of them. I pray that tonight lives will be transformed, that South Africa will start to look different because of the men and women that's present here tonight. And I come and ask you tonight, Holy Spirit, for the revelation of who our God is, to transform the poverty of our mindsets, so that we can start to think like mature sons and daughters of God. I pray tonight that we will come out of nappies and that we will start to walk into fullness and purpose. I pray and ask for your word, Lord, to cut our hearts, to challenge us and to transform us. I ask for your anointing to be fresh on me tonight, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So let's look at the life of Moses. Let's look at this encounter Moses has with God that transforms him, that gives the man a courage to go and deliver a nation. So if we're going to discover who your God is, we need to look at the first encounter, the first introduction to this God that we're studying tonight. It says in verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. So if we're going to discover who our God is, we need to discover who the angel of the Lord is. So if you, look at, if you look at the context, we need to stay within the Bible to discover that it doesn't matter. I come and say, well, let me tell you, I think. I'm not coming with my opinion. We can't just think and, and say my opinion is going to change your life. We have to stay within the context of the word. And so while we're not going to read all of that tonight, I want you to take notes and I want you to go read it for yourself. Because here's what I've learned. The word of the Lord is powerful. When you release his word, he transforms circumstance. He changes environments. And so the first man that we read in the Bible story that encounters the angel of the Lord is the man called Jacob. Now, do you know Jacob? He was a deceiver. He had a brother Esau. He stole his birthright. And so it says in Genesis 28, that Jacob had an encounter with a man, God the man, that stood next to him while he was asleep, standing while Jacob is having the latter dream of angels ascending and descending. There's a man standing next to Jacob, and he starts to speak to Jacob about his future. It's interesting that this man is God. Then it says in Genesis 31 that Jacob is working for his father-in-law. He's working for the ugly sister first, and then he works for the beautiful sister. And he reckons to himself, listen, I need to, I need to make a plan to provide. And so he asked the Lord for a strategy. He asked for a strategy for wealth. And it says in Genesis 31 that there's a man standing next to Jacob that gives him the strategy of how to become wealthy. Here's this man. God as a man bringing strategy about the speckled and the spotted flock that transforms Jacob's wealth. 
God the man. Then it says this in Genesis 32, that Jacob wrestled with a man. He said he wrestled with a man. This man is God. And so as he's about to cross the river, Jacob finds himself wrestling with a man. Now, if me and Tabisa are going to wrestle, who do you think is going to come out on top? <laughs> For a moment, pictures. I am God the man. This is Jacob. The whole night, Jacob is so determined to get his way, he's wrestling God the man the whole night through. And at the end of the night, God gets tired. And as the day breaks, Jacob says, bless me. And so what does God the man does? He, hits, he knocks him on the hip and he marks him that forever Jacob will walk with a limb. You see, when you come to God, this angel of the Lord, when you come to God as the man, you need to allow him to mark you. When you wrestle with God the man, you need to wrestle with him to the point where he marks you and then he gives Jacob a new name. What is the new name? It's from now on you'll be Israel. See, when you get to know who the angel of the Lord is, God the man, you need to wrestle with him till he marks you with his Holy Spirit and he speaks your destiny over you. How many believers do you know will wrestle with God the man in that way? And then at the end of Jacob's life, he's old, he's tired, he's sitting in Egypt. He blesses his sons. In Genesis 48, he says, I want to thank this angel of the Lord. I want to thank this, this God man, this man called God, for the way he cared for me and shepherded me. So if we're going to know who our God is, we need to discover who's this angel of the Lord. Does it sound familiar? Did Jesus come as a man? So who's this man of the Old Testament that Jacob is wrestling with? He's wrestling with God the man. We know now in the New Testament that man, his name is Jesus. He's the one that if you allow him into your life, he's the one that will start to open the heavens for you. That you can get revelation with the angels. He's the one that if you allow him, he will give you the insights for how to create wealth. It's not a white thing. It's not a black thing. It's a Jesus thing. Amen? He's the one, Jesus Christ. He's the one that if you wrestle with him, he will mark you and he will speak God's purposes over your life. He's the one that will care for you and shepherd you all your life. The question is the following. Who is your Savior? Who's your Savior? We're starting to work into Kachisu a little bit, and I'm getting the opportunity to speak to some of my black brothers on a more regular basis. Some of my black brothers still believe that they need the ancestors a little bit. I'll take Jesus a little bit, but I'll take a little bit of the ancestors as well, just to make sure I've got all my bases covered. And so the funerals in Kahisu is, um, is a whole day affair. You now understand that culture more than my pale face. Why? 
Because we are not convinced that Jesus is God the man. We're not convinced. And so we cover our bases with a little bit of Sankoma, a little bit of ancestors, and a little bit of Jesus. And we wonder why we can't live a blessed life. We wonder. Now I'm sure this man is teaching you powerfully about who Jesus is. But my friends, there's things in our heart. If you don't have Jesus as your only Savior, you will never do mighty exploits. In my culture, Afrikaans culture, you know where people run for saving? They run to alcohol. They think if I just have enough alcohol, it will save me. Alcohol will not save you. Money will not save you. Only Jesus can save you. The traditions of my father, we spoke about it as we started. The traditions of my father only landed me in apartheid. It couldn't save me. Only Jesus can save us. So if you deny Jesus, you will stay lost. But if you believe in Jesus, you will stay dead. I need to explain this, I see. Isn't it? If you believe in Jesus, Jesus died on that cross for you. Do you know that he didn't just die for you, he died as you. I want you to stand as if you're being crucified. So this is you. You're a sinner. You're dead in your sin. What does Jesus do? God the man comes and he takes your place. What does he do? On the cross, he takes your place. Can you see Vasim now? Just stand, just stand. Jesus as the man comes and take your place. Jesus as a man comes, he says, Vasim, I can see you're in trouble. I see that the only way I can get connected with you, the only way I can become one with you, is I have to come into your standard. I have to come under the curse and I have to make, position myself in death. So that when God sees, he looks at your sin, he will see me. It gets better. Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. So what happens to Jesus as he dies on the cross? It says for three days he was dead in the grave. Where did he go while his body was laying in the grave? He went to hell. But here's what I need you to see. In that moment when Jesus came on the cross, me and Jesus got united. We were made one. Amen. So, when Jesus went to hell, who went with him? You and I. That's not the good news of the gospel. The good news is, is that you don't have to go to hell. If you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you will never see hell. Amen? Is Jesus still dead? Here's the good news. What happened to him after three days? Is Jesus still on the earth? What happened to Jesus? He was ascended to heaven. 
So look at this. Where are you seated? In heavenly places. How do you access that? You have to believe in Jesus and stay dead. Amen? Thank you, bro. You're a good martyr. It's when we understand that Jesus is the man that saved us. He went on our behalf into hell. He died as me. He went for the punishment that was supposed to be mine. But now that he's alive and seated in heavenly places, I am seated with him in heavenly places. Now, is there anything that can intimidate heaven? Is there anything that can come against heaven? Nothing. My friends, when you know who your Savior is, you will start to do mighty exploits. Jesus is not dead, he's alive, and you are living with him in heavenly places, and he's living inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Does it help us? Cheap seats, are you still awake? Cheap seats are not awake, they're dead still. So who is your Savior? It's the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's Jesus in the New, God the man that took your place. We're going to know who our God is. We need to know who this blazing fire is that cannot stop burning. It says Moses came to the bush and what intrigued him was that this fire is burning, but this fire doesn't stop. It's a blazing torch. It's just, it's blowing a fire. And he's like, what is this? I have to go see. If we're going to know who our God is, we need to discover who is this blazing torch. In order to do that, we need to look at Genesis chapter 16, because here Abraham is falling asleep while God is making a covenant with him. You know the story. It's what I love about my black brothers. They know the Old Testament. The white brothers, it seems they just want to read the thin New Testament. They're lazy. But Genesis chapter 16, you see what it looks like when God makes a covenant. When he makes a covenant with himself and he puts Abraham asleep. How's that? God is about to declare your destiny, your identity, and your future. And all you can do is... Hey. Because God knows, better put you asleep. Because I keep you alive and I keep you awake, it will not result in covenant. And so there's the covenant cutting ceremony. The the animals are cut in two. And what does Abraham see? He sees a blazing torch and a smoking fire pot. What do you see? Who's this this blazing torch? Who's this this person of God that's the blazing torch that's that's consuming an all-consuming fire? He's the covenantal helper. He helps you to live out the covenant that God made while you are asleep. That sounds like rest, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I sleep soundly. I like it to sleep. The Lord says, if he builds the house, then he provides for me while I'm sleeping. So I like to sleep a lot because I want to receive a lot of provision. (laughs) 
If we look at the New Testament and we look at this fire thing, it says the following, that Jesus, the man God, God the man will come and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John chapter 16, Jesus says, I'm about to go to heaven, but I'm going to leave you another helper. What is his name? The Holy Spirit. He's the covenantal helper. Please hear me, cheap seats. He's not the covenantal doer. He's the covenantal helper. That means he will come and help you if you want to be helped. He's not going to do it for you. But if you come to the place where you're saying, Jesus, I need help. I need to hear the voice of God. Can you please help me? What will the Holy Spirit do? He'll say, I wish you'd asked me yesterday. I'm here to help you. And then what does he do when he speaks to you? What does he expect you to do? He expects you to listen and obey. You are the doer with the help of the Holy Spirit, the covenantal helper. He's not the doer and you're not the helper. We need to get this right. If we're going to do mighty exploits in God, we need to know who the covenantal helper is. It's the person of the Godhead called the Spirit of God. And God made a covenant with Jesus to come and help you with His Spirit whenever you need help. So isn't it time for us to humble ourselves from our prideful opinions and our self-effort and say, Holy Spirit, tonight I make a decision. I am not going to do anything until you tell me how to do it. Until you tell me what to do it. Do you think we're going to change South Africa through our effort? We're not. But I tell you, we have a covenantal helper, the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, what happened? It says tongues of fire came on them and they started speaking in new tongues. Now can I be controversial? Your pastor can fix this if he's not happy with me afterwards. My Bible, if I read it, says whoever was baptized in the Holy Spirit started speaking in a heavenly language called tongues. Can I be frank? You've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in a heavenly language. That's the evidence. That's the sign. Hey, now I'm making friends in Cosmo City. If I read my Bible, when the fire of the Lord comes on you, when the person of the Holy Spirit comes on you, He transforms your life. The fire of the Lord... The covenantal helper comes and he gives you a new language. Why do you need a new language? Because it gives away your citizenship. How do, how do you know that I'm South African? How do you know I'm a boer? You can work proud Afrikaans. And I go from Melkdad and Cook Sisters. How do I know that you are a Tswana? When you greet me, you say, Ache, Papa, or Ache, Tati, do me I can say, Ah, oh, this is Twana, brother. How do you know that you're a Christian, a son of God? Can I tell you how you know? Yeah. I 
I'm not from this earth anymore. I'm a citizen from heaven. My help comes from there. And whatever my helper tells me to do in this earth, I will do. You see, to be right with God means this. You can access heaven. But do you know, for God to be right with you means He can access the earth. He can use your body to do things in South Africa to transform our nation. Amen? So I'm asking you tonight, who's your God? I said to you, who's your Savior? Secondly, who's your source? Who's the source of your life? Paul says the source he lived with was this fire inside of him. It was energy he could not contain. So the place you work is not the place that must make you tired. The place you work is where you take all of this life of God, all of the energy of God, and you display to the people that you work with what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit as your source. He's the one infusing you. He's the one helping you. Cheap seats. See, one or two is smiling. They're getting it. Happiness? What's the biggest sign that you are resisting the Holy Spirit? You want to hear? How do you know that you're resisting the Holy Spirit? You live in constant frustration. You're frustrated with the church, and you're frustrated with the preaching, and you're frustrated with the leaders, and you're frustrated with your wife, and you're frustrated with your kids, and you're frustrated with yourself. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit has not become your source yet. If you will repent tonight, if you will say, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I come, I humble myself. Help me. Then the Holy Spirit comes and He will help you into freedom. He'll get you free. Just there's so much to say on this point. See, when you allow Him, when you humble your heart and you open your heart to Him, He comes and He sets you free from the demonic influences. He sets you free from the nightmares that you cannot sleep. He sets you free from those dreams that keeps haunting the same thing over and over and over. The thing that's keeping you from sleep, the Holy Spirit comes and He sets you free in a moment. If you're battling to sleep because of the nightmares and the things that's sitting in your room, it's time for you to accept the Holy Spirit as your source so that He can help you get free from the witchcraft the intimidation, the manipulation. Amen. If we're going to know who our God is, we need to know who is this God that keeps calling. It says this in, in Exodus 3, verse 4, God called. God called. So we've discovered the angel of the Lord, we've discovered the smoking fire pot, and now we're going to discover who's this God that calls. We look at the life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. You see that this God, when He calls, He is powerful. In a moment, He can change your destiny. If you respond to this God who is calling your name, 
In one moment, he can ask you to leave your whole background behind, to leave your family behind, to leave your business behind, simply because of the ability this God has to call you to say, I've got a destiny, come do this. If you read Hebrews chapter 1, you see that this God who calls, he, in Hebrews chapter 1, he's the one who calls us through his son Jesus. It's the same God that's calling. He's speaking to us through his son. God is calling. He's calling. He's like, come, come, come to me. John chapter 1, it says that, that Jesus came to make the Father known. God is calling. God is calling. He's calling you tonight, sir. He's calling you. He's saying, come, come submit all of your life. Come, come submit all of your life. There's a God who is calling your name tonight. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, if you come to him, he will teach you about who? God is a father. Who's the one that's calling? It's God the father. Tonight he sent a messenger with big ears and a big body and a white face to remind you that you have a father in heaven that's calling your name saying, come my son, come to Jesus, come learn from him, allow the source and I will show you what me as a father will do with you as a son in the earth. God is calling. God the father is calling. Can I tell you where generational curses is preventing us? The sins of your father and the generations before, it's preventing you from knowing that God is your personal father. If you're battling tonight, if you don't know whether God is your father, you've heard this thing preached, but you've never felt it, then tonight we need to help you get free from generational curses that's preventing you from seeing God as your personal father. Amen. When the Lord revealed this to me, when he showed me, I, I lost my dad when I was 14. My dad died in a car accident. It was traumatic. Because your dad is supposed to help you with your identity and with your destiny. And then, age 24, I came to Jesus and the Holy Spirit helped me understand that God is my personal father. That whole evening I could not sleep. I wept the whole evening. Because I realized, oh my goodness, Janus. Jesus came and the help of the Holy Spirit is here because God wants to be your father. And he wants to treat you like his only begotten son. Do you know God? Do you know God as your father? I want to talk to the men. Do you know God as your father? Because when you start to rely on God as your father, things start to change around your life. Your identity gets settled. Your destiny gets unlocked. If you receive God as a father, he deals with you as a son. If you reject God as a father, you'll always feel like a misfit. I don't fit anywhere. Let me go try church. Mm, it's also not the place I fit. Let me go try and do the Shabin. Let me go try and join the soccer club. I'm going to always try and feel, where do I fit in? You'll never fit unless you realize that God is your father. When you receive him as God is your father, you'll know, hey, I've come home. I found my place. Amen.
I was prepared to preach for four hours because that's what they told me we do in Cosmos City. <laughs> is it not? I see the gentleman at the back is saying, my Lord Jesus, this man better finish this up now. <laughs> Lastly, if we're going to know who our God is, we need to know who is the great I am that I am. Now, if I mention, if you mention my name, Yanis Labeskagni, there's a certain connection that you make with my name. Is it not? When Tabiso introduced me tonight, he said, when I heard the name Yanis Labeskagni, I'm like, ooh, he's a Springbok rugby player. Can it be the same guy? Then he realized, oh, this man has lost rugby and he's lost his false identity of, in apartheid of Afrikaanerdom and now he's a son of God. Now when he mentions my name, there's a different connection he makes to who Yanis Labeskagni is. I trust after tonight you'll also make a different connection. Some of you are saying, Lord, please send him back to Mulder's Drift. Don't let him come back again. But whichever way, when you hear my name, you've got a connection. You know something about my character. You know something about who I am. Is it not? That's why the Bible says your name is more powerful than riches. Because you are known by your name. Moses asked this angel of the Lord, this burning fire, this God who calls, he says, what is your name? He says, I am who I am. What does his name mean? He's unchanging. This God who we serve is the same yesterday, tonight, and forever. It means the way that God works is the same. He's unchanging. He's hearing your cry. God has a heart that loves people. He does not change. That's who God is. God is looking for hands He can use to deliver people. God does not change. He's always looking for a man. He's found two that will say, okay, I will lay my life down. Tonight, God is still unchanging and He's looking for you. He's saying, come, I've got a heart for people in Cosmos City. I'm just looking for a man that I can go and send out to be my hands. He's unchanging. God's habits are the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. If you will come to Him tonight, He will touch you with a blazing torch of His Holy Spirit. If you come to Him tonight, He will save you through the reality of Jesus on the cross. If you come to Him tonight and humble yourself, He's unchanging. He will meet you as a Father in the place where you need Him most. But I am who I am. In the Hebrew... Is a verb. Let me help help me real quick. What is a verb? The cheap seats, you are awake. <laughs> Concern the side. A verb is a doing word. So when God says, I am who I am, he's not just saying I'm unchanging, I'm always the same. He's saying, I am my name. Inside of my name, I'm doing things. What is God saying? He's saying this, I am 
who I am. I cannot help myself. I'm unchanging. I love people. I want to help people. I'm looking for men I can pull alongside, women I can pull alongside to go and bring people into a spacious place. But here's the thing you need to understand. I am who I am, and I will be what I will be for you when you need me to be that for you. He's always working to help you where you need help. Now, I don't know about you, but when you get to know this God, you will start to do mighty exploits. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? So we come to encounter the Lord tonight. We come to encounter Him tonight. But we need to know that we are coming to Jesus. Asking for the Holy Spirit. Relying on the unchanging ability of God, the Father, to love on us. I'd love to pray. Do we still have time to preach? He says we can go for four hours. <laughs> I want to pray tonight for those of us who doesn't have Jesus as your Savior. You know about Him, but you, He's not the only one. You've got many other Saviors. Sangomas, ancestors, Ilbramuti, Mani, Nedbank, Castle Lager. Tonight, if you realize I need, uh, there's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. He's the angel of the Lord. If you want to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, I need you to stand to make Him the only Savior of your life. Preaching to people on a Thursday night in church, it's highly unlikely that no one is born again because you committed already to be here. But if he's not your only savior, you're looking to other things, hear the call. I want you to stand tonight because Jesus wants to save your life. He wants to give you righteousness.